So you, you see the title of the message today. Maybe you know about secondhand. Some of you don't. Some of you are too young to even know the term. But it used to be uh, people bought, instead of buying used cars, they bought a secondhand car. You remember the term. A secondhand meant that somebody else had had it before you and they had gotten the good out of it and you got what was left over. It was a secondhand. And then there were secondhand clothes. Uh, they weren't hand-me-down clothes when I was growing up. They were secondhand. They, they belonged to somebody else. Maybe some of you still go to the consignment shop. You know, you can find some pretty good stuff at places like that. And so you buy secondhand clothes. They used to belong to somebody else. And, uh, and now you, you get it. And we've been watching the news. And apparently uh, you can give testimony that's secondhand. Secondhand information about somebody belongs to somebody else just passed along. That's a second-hand story. And nobody wants a second-hand girlfriend. Uh, let me explain what I mean by that. I don't mean a girlfriend who belonged to somebody else. I mean hearing the story of somebody else's girlfriend. She is so pretty. She is so nice. She kisses so well. Every boy gets to the point, or girl, I guess, if it's a boy, you get to the point where you're tired of hearing somebody else's experience with their boyfriend and their girlfriend, and you want one of your own. You want one who is, if he's a boy, he's handsome. If it's a girl, pretty. Now, one who is nice, one who kisses well. Some of you probably don't ever have hope of having one, but at least you have hope of your knee getting better. Uh, nobody wants a second-hand movie. I'm not talking about one that has already been seen. I'm talking about one that you hear about. You know, somebody starts telling you about the movie, you want to go see it, but you don't want to hear about it, and you certainly don't want to hear how it ends, but some people just can't help but spilling, spilling it out. You want to see that for yourself. And so likewise, God never wanted us to be content with a second-hand faith. And so what I mean by that, I mean the story of somebody else's experience with God. Man, I love to hear people's experience with God. I love to hear people's testimony. And to hear somebody's testimony is good. And to hear somebody's testimony can be inspiring. But God never meant for you just to listen to somebody else's testimony and be inspired by someone else's testimony. He wants you to have your own experience with God. In Scripture, uh, there were generations of people who had only a second-hand faith. They had heard stories of what God could do, but they had never experienced it for themselves. They had just heard stories of God's power, but they had never experienced God's power. They heard stories of God's deliverance, but they had never experienced God's deliverance. All they had was a second-hand faith. And I'm afraid we've come to that point in the church. We're living in the strength of someone else's experience with God. We as the people of God we must never be content with that. So I want to ask you to open your Bible to Psalm 44. Psalm 44. And hear God's people talk about their discontent with a second-hand faith. They were weary of the stories of God's past deliverance. They wanted something more than just hearsay. Not only did they want it, they desperately needed it. Before I read the Scripture this morning, I want us to pray. Lord, we need You. We need an experience with You, an encounter with You. 
And Lord, that cannot be manufactured by anything that men do in the church. That can only come, Lord, by you revealing yourself, by you making your presence known, by you coming into our circumstances and delivering us out of whatever peril that we are in, or delivering us, Lord, from some pit of sin that we've fallen into, or, Lord, just being with us to encourage us in our journey of life. Lord, we need you. And now, Lord, as we open our scripture and we hear the story of these people who needed more than a secondhand faith, let us long for our own experience with you, each person here today. And God, as we pray for that and long for that, may you open the door for us to have it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Psalm 44, I'm going to read the first few verses, verses 1 through 3, and then we'll talk about those. They said, O God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us the work thou didst in their days, in the days of old. You with thine own, thou with thine own hand, drove out the nations, then thou plantest them, thou afflicted the peoples, then thou spread them abroad. For by their own sword they did not possess the land, and their own arm did not save them. But thy right hand and thy arm and the light of thy presence, for thou favored them. Thou didst favor them. You see that story as they lament what has happened in the past. That is the testimony of the past. That was their father's experience with God. That's what they had been told it was not their experience. It was not their testimony. We can recount the stories of great revival in the past history of the church. I listened to some of those last night to refresh my own memory. Uh, there was a time in the early history of this nation when religion in America was practically dead in the early 1700s. And God sent a great awakening. A great awakening that that really swept two continents, uh, but God did a mighty work here, and, and great things happened as a result of those revivals. But that has not been our experience. We have generations of people in the church who are living on the strength of someone else's experience with God. It, it may have been something that happened in your church a long time ago, or some revival that occurred in church history, but it's only a thing that you heard about it's only a thing that you read about. It's not a part of your own personal experience. And so we see here as we read these verses, that is the lament in this 44th Psalm. They had no personal experience of God's mighty power. For them, it was just a story. Is it so with you? If so, it ought to be instructive for us to look at this passage of Scripture and perhaps you're able to identify with the experience of these people and the great need that they felt for something genuine, not something secondhand. So the first three verses tell the story of what they believed, but they only believed it because they had been told it by their fathers. Oh God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us the work that thou didst in their days, in the days of old. Thou with thine own hand didst drive out the nations. Then thou didst plant them. Thou didst afflict the peoples. Then thou didst spread them abroad. For by their own sword and they did not possess the land and their own arm did not save them, but thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy presence, for thou didst favor them. 
Theirs was a second-hand faith. They heard about the testimony of the mighty acts of God in the past, but it was the testimony of someone else's experience with God. I think we've established that fact. And if you want to see that a little further, we'll consider the reality of the present. What they were experiencing in the present in the next verses, verses 9 through 16. They said, we've heard about what you did in the past, but thou hast rejected us. And brought us to dishonor. This is verses 9 through 16 of Psalm 44. Thou hast rejected us and brought us to dishonor, and dost not go out with our armies. Thou dost cause us to turn back from the adversary, and those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. Thou dost give us as sheep to be eaten, and hast scattered us among the nations. Thou dost sell thy people cheaply, and hast not profited by their sale. Thou dost make us a reproach to our neighbors, and a scoffing and a derision to those around us. Thou dost make us a byword among the nations, a laughingstock among the peoples. All day long my dishonor is before me, and my humiliation has overwhelmed me because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles, because of the presence of the enemy and the avenger. That was the reality of the present. They were not experiencing God in their own personal lives. They were not experiencing victory in their own walk with the Lord. They were not experiencing deliverance. Uh, in their warfare against whatever battle they found themselves in. So they said, our fathers told us of the mighty movements of God. Our fathers told us of God's hand of blessing upon them, of His favor and of His power. But that has not been our experience. Now we can talk about times in the past when the Spirit of God moved mightily in the life of the church. Of times when His presence and power seemed almost irresistible. When Jonathan Edwards preached that great sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and we're told that people felt as if they were hanging by a thread, and that's the way he wanted them to feel, they were hanging by a thread over the fires of hell as if they would fall in any moment. They were overwhelmed with a sense of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but that has not been our experience, has it, when we come to church. When we come to church, often we come with no genuine sense of God's presence. We come, we've heard a sermon, we've heard some songs, we've heard some stories, they might have been good, we might have been inspired by them, but we have not been overwhelmed with a sense of God's presence. We don't feel like we've been touched by God or snatched out of some situation by His own hand. And so we don't have any stories to tell our children. Our own stories are only stories of discouragement, only stories of decline in the church. Only stories of how the Spirit of God never seems to move in our services. I can relate to this 44th Psalm. These people believed in God. They believed in His power, but they were not experiencing His power, and they were not experiencing His deliverance. So, what did they do? Well, they prayed. They asked for their own experience with God. They asked God to do something extraordinary that He had done for their fathers before them. I think it's reasonable today in the life of the church to ask God to do that. I think as we look at the circumstances in our, our nation and, and the confusion, the chaos in our nation, not only confusion and chaos in the nation, but sometimes confusion and chaos in the church. Sometimes a sense that we're just going through the motions. Sometimes that we're just going from one service to another without any, without any genuine experience of God. I think, it's, I think it's right for us to say, God, we've heard these stories. We know it's true. 
But God, it's just not our experience. Lord, what, what is the deal here? Why can't you do something like that in our day? Is it wrong to pray that? Well, apparently not, because that's exactly what they did in the 44th Psalm. After they had said, oh God, we have heard. And then they said, oh God, the present reality in our lives is, is not the case. Then they said in verse 23, Arise thyself, arouse thyself. Why dost thou sleep, O Lord? Awake, do not reject us forever. Why dost thou hide thy face and forget our affliction and our oppression? For our soul has sunk down into the dust. Our body cleaves to the earth. Rise up and be our help and redeem us for the sake of thy loving kindness. That was, number three, their desire going forward. We've seen uh, uh, the stories of the past, what happened in the past, the reality of the present, and now this is their desire going forward. The desire of God's people going forward should be an experience with God. Every time we come to church, that ought to be the passion of our heart. That ought to be the passion of the pastor's heart. That ought to be the passion of the music director's heart. That ought to be the passion of the praise team's heart. That ought to be the passion of every member, of every young person, of every child who comes to church. That ought to be the expectation. We ought to expect an encounter with God and never anything less than that as we go forward in the life of the church. We can say, we've heard these stories, God. We know they're true. We believe they're true. We stand with confidence on Your Word. But God, our present personal experience that has not been the case and so God we need something different what is it they wanted with God I think the last verse sums it up they wanted God to rise up and be their help the way he had helped their fathers in the past they wanted their own experience with God's deliverance and that claim on on deliverance was not based on their goodness and we can never say God we're a good church and we deserve your deliverance not that we're not not that you're bad people or that I'm a bad person, but on my own goodness, I can't claim anything. I can't ask God for anything based on my goodness because I don't have any goodness. But they didn't make their claim based on their goodness either. They said, God, it's based on your loving kindness. God, because you love us, because we are your people, because you want us to know you and see your glory, would you not do a work for us similar to the works that you did in the past. Couldn't you not do such a thing in the present? They wanted more than a second-hand faith. They wanted their own experience with God. Now I ask you, do you? And I want you to consider, uh, first of all, something that might be absolutely disastrous in your own spiritual life, and that is that all you have really is a second-hand faith. That although you've heard the stories, you've never had any experience at all, you can't stand on God's promises because you don't know God. You hear people talk about God, but you say, I've never experienced God. God's never spoken to me. I don't know that I've ever heard from God or God's ever stirred my heart. And that might be the case in your own life today. God might be stirring inside you. And if He's never stirred your heart and you've never heard His voice, you have a very deep problem in your own personal spiritual life. Because Jesus said, the one who knows God hears God. The reason you don't hear is because you don't belong to God. That's a serious problem. But many of us do hear from God. We know God. We believe in God. We trust in God. We have confidence in God's promises. It's just that the reality of our circumstances, our own personal situation, or perhaps our own personal spiritual life is we're not experiencing God's deliverance on a daily basis. So God, could you not do such a thing in the present? Is it enough for you to have heard stories of people's 
of what God has done for other people? Do you want your children and your grandchildren to live all their lives without ever experiencing God in the life of the church? These people were praying for God to act as He had in the present. We've been going through experiencing God, and I love the part where Henry Blackaby tells the story. I, I had never heard it that way until I first went through experiencing God. He, he tells the story of the disciples in the storm on the Sea of Galilee. And where was Jesus? He was asleep in the back of the boat. And he talks about those moments in our lives when we feel like that God is asleep in the back of our boat. We know that He's with us, but we feel like He's asleep, that He doesn't care, that we're going to perish in the middle of our, in our, in our predicament. And that's what they said. They said, Lord, don't you care? We're going to die in this storm. And then he says, Henry Blackaby relates it this way. He says, then truth stood up in the back of the boat. You never know the truth of your circumstances until you hear from the truth. And the truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's simply what we need. We need the truth to stand up in the midst of his church. We need the one who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks to show up in the life of his church and work mightily in the midst of his people. It's time for us to pray. Arouse thyself. Rise up and be our help. Let us see your power. We've grown weary of a second-hand faith. We want to experience an outpouring of your Spirit upon our generation and upon our children so that we might have a testimony of your greatness and your glory. This week, we were visiting with our grandchildren, two of our grandchildren, and my wife picked up a little children's devotional book to read my, to my little granddaughter, actually three of our grandchildren, and the little granddaughter who will soon be two. And she picked up this little devotional book to read to a two-year-old, and she read a verse from the inside cover of that book. And when she read that verse from the inside cover of that book to my not-yet-two-year-old granddaughter, I don't know what it said to my two-year-old granddaughter, but God used that verse to quicken my heart. And it said simply... You will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I guess one of the reasons that verse spoke to me is because all week long I've been reading another verse. Without faith it's impossible to please God, for the one who pleases Him must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That was what was happening in this 44th Psalm. These people felt a deficit in their life. They did not disbelieve in God. They believed strongly in God. They believed that He had worked mightily in the past, but that was not their personal experience in the present. And they simply prayed, God, going forward, could we not have our own encounter with You? Could we not experience you, Lord, in our own lives, in our own worship setting? Do you think that God wants that for his people? I do. I think that God wants that. I think it would be the passion of God's heart greater than the passion of our heart that every time we gathered here, we would know his presence and we would see his power displayed in changing someone's life or delivering someone from the peril of of their circumstances. That's the God that we serve, a God who delights to deliver, a God who is mighty to save. I love the story of the woman at the well. You know that story of how she met Jesus there. And uh, she was so sinful, and everyone in town knew how sinful she was. 
And so she goes back into the city and she tells the men uh, of her own experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. And she says, come and see a man who told me all the things that I have ever done. And so the Bible says they went out of the city and were coming to him. And later they came back and told the woman, this is what they said in John chapter 4, verse 42. It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. You see, they had a testimony, a second-hand testimony. They heard about her experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. They said, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. It was not second-hand anymore. It was their own personal experience. One of the great dangers we face in the church is the danger of living with a second-hand faith. And that is where our faith might begin. It might begin with the story of somebody else's experience with God. Uh, but ultimately, each of us must have our own experience with Christ and our testimony of how we came to meet Christ personally. Perhaps you had the longing. You have the longing these people had in the 44th Psalm. You, for yourself, I want to experience God. And let me say this to you, honestly. If you don't have that desire, then you've got something broken in your own personal spiritual life as well. If you have no desire for an experience with God, if you have no desire for anything else other than what you get out of church every Sunday, then you're drinking out of the wrong soda bottle. That's all I know to say. I don't know how to say it any other way. You're barking up the wrong tree. You're here for all the wrong reasons. If you're just here to hear from me, that's a sad thing. I'm, what, what do I get out of it? All I, all I, I get here from Doug, and I love to hear from Doug, and I love to hear from the praise team. But I want to experience God. That's why I come to church. And I've been to church desperate. I've been to church desperate. Right where these people were. Lord, I've heard of all these things you can do. And God, I, I just don't have that in my own life. I, I need you to help me. I need you to be at work in my life. I need to see your power and your glory. And it's in those moments when, God, when God's people, in a moment of desperation, or in seasons of desperation, cry out to Him and say, God, I need you. Oh, I need you. Would you not come and help me? Would you not come and deliver me? Would you not show me your glory? Lord, I know about all the things you've done in the past, and God, I believe all that. But Lord, I need something going forward that will carry me through my present crisis, that will carry my church through this present season, that will so set the taste in the mouth of your people that we will never again come to your house without a passion to experience you. You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me, the Lord says, with all your heart. Let's pray.